0: Hello, everyone, and welcome. You're listening to TSE Talks, the place to be to learn more and explore the life in Magenta. I'm your host, Umayma Buswab, and today we talk about women leadership, especially across cultures. Therefore, I invited Mardiani House, the HR business partner of technology and innovation in Deutsche Telekom, and she's here to share her experience and insights on the topic. So, stick around. <laughs> The story of leadership success is filled with challenges. For women, however, these challenges are doubled when the gender and culture barriers are combined. This doesn't mean that it cannot be done, but it means as a woman, you will have to adopt the right attitudes and skills to be successful in a cross-cultural environment. So what are the barriers you need to break through? How do you overcome these stereotypes when walking into a new role? Mardia answers these questions and much more. So, without further ado, let's get started. Our guest today is Mardiani House. Originally from South Africa, she is an experienced senior vice president for international career sales and solution in Deutsche Telekom Bonn, Germany. Driven by her passion for technology and innovation, she's a firm believer in the use of technology for good and takes pride in being a compassionate people leader. Mardia, hello and welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, Mai. It's very, very
1: nice to talk to you um, and very good to be part of this discussion. Thank you very much for inviting me. Thank Um, you. Something that you maybe have not mentioned is that I've moved on into my role, so from the international sales uh, space, and I'm now responsible for People Transformation and the People Topics in the Technology and Innovation uh, Unit of Claudia Nemat.
0: Oh, that's great. That's an upgrade. That's cool to hear. (laughs) Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So before we jump into our topic, uh, let's hear more information then about your journey into this intercultural work and how did you get to where you are today? Well, um, you know, I started uh, originally. My
1: training was as a clinical psychologist. Oh, okay. And the first mm-hmm. role that I took in an organization was in the human resources field, uh, in an area a lot to do with assessments, with recruitment, and with development, with leadership development. Um, and that was in a mining company in South Africa. I then joined a pay TV company, which created uh, the decoder and pay TV technology in South Africa. It was a first. So it was an extremely innovative and uh, for that time, high-tech organization. Um, After a couple of the uh, years there, um, I was headhunted to join a little company called Debus System House in Johannesburg, which became T-Systems. Oh, okay. um, mm-hmm. and, and I was the human resources director for this company. I did this for about six years um, and then went home to have my third baby for a few months. In South Africa, you have about three months um, of maternity leave. And when I came back, um, my boss asked me to take over the sales role.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, sales was not something I've ever done before. And specifically sales in the IT Um, solutions space and the IT um, services space, you know, desktop support, running of data centers, but also solutions. It it was a huge, huge shift for me and a a big step. I did decide to do that. And um, we, at that stage, really had a lot of challenges in the company. We were very small. We were number 12 in the market, in the South African market. We were one of the smallest T-Systems entities worldwide. Um, and um, But after a couple of months, we were able to get quite a few great deals in the pipeline. And we were able to win a major deal, um, which then led to us very quickly over a period of four years um become the number one IT services and solutions company in South Africa. Wow. That's um, And with about 3,000 people up from 600 people. Um, early in this process, the organization decided to ask me to become the CEO. So, my most exciting journey and my most exciting I would say entrance into what it means to work in a multinational organization was in that period of time. Um, I was managing director of t System South Africa, you know, sitting in the southern tip of Africa, running a South African company, but German owned uh, with a co-shareholder, minority shareholder in South Africa, black shareholder, which was very important if you wanted to do business in South Africa at that stage within that political context. you know, as a woman, for the first time, they had a woman in this kind of role in the group, even uh, in, in, in Deutsche Telekom or in T-Systems Worldwide. So a lot of firsts uh, and mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of um, kind of barriers to get through. Um, I had to learn about the, the German way of doing things, the German culture, um, the German business culture. Um, also, you know, linked to some gender stereotypes and obviously some stereotypes when it came to being African and being from South Africa, uh, which was very challenging at some times.
0: That's an interesting uh, background, really. So, you come from psychology through mining and then you end up in technology and innovation and uh, in sales. So, that's really quite a journey. Yeah. And as you said, you had challenges. So, uh, my question, uh, next question is, what are the cultural challenges do women in leadership positions face and do women experience culture differently? Yeah, it, it, it is at
1: different levels, you know. So when I um, was asked to be the acting CEO, um, I was the first woman in my leadership team. Um, all of the other colleagues were men um, that, that were very deeply versed in the technology knowledge in IT specifically. And here this woman comes um, with not a deep background in engineering or IT or tech. Um, And a lot of these colleagues, you know, had 20 years, 25 years experience. They were either SAP consultants or they were data center experts. They started to work, you know, from scratch in this area. So, there was immediately um, a skepticism of how this kind of HR background woman could actually lead an IT company.
0: Exactly, yeah. They were very... So they,
1: they, were, they were extremely skeptical. I mean, and, and one or two actually really dismissive. Um, one colleague um, was not going to accept this and him and I very early on Had the discussion that I said to him, well, then I think you need to find an alternative. If you are not going to be able to work with me, um, then this will not work. So, he left uh, to join another organization. Um, The other colleague I thought was a a very brilliant man, but did not have the same vision in terms of what we wanted to create, Mm -hmm. uh, specifically in the system solution space a much more forward thinking, a much more holistic, a much more um, proactive leading um, approach. And him and I had uh, many difficult discussions and also decided in the end to, to, um, to go our separate ways. And this was one of the first very important lessons for me, Mai, is that um, I needed to take very decisive actions. You know, a lot of times... Um, I don't know if it is a stereotype that that women are indecisive or they don't take difficult decisions. Actually, to me, it's been the contrary. I think in business, and my experience has been that very many people, men and women, struggle in business to take difficult decisions. And they take far too long to take these decisions. So we are, Ask for one analysis, then we ask for another analysis. And then be in the sure. end <laughs> and then we in the end we have packs and packs and packs of paper of analysis, but we don't take the decision because the decision very often has an impact on people, it has an impact on a different direction, a different strategy, a different structure. Mm-hmm. And sometimes has it, you know, bearing on tough decisions, you know. So so that was one of the first things that, that I found when I took those decisions specifically to change um, some of those senior colleagues, which was very difficult. Um, immediately, there was a lot of respect. Oh, immediately, okay. people felt, oh, okay, she's going to take <laughs> some decisions. And, she's, and I also was very clear that maybe not all my decisions will be right, but I would also live with that. I would rather take a decision, of course, think it through very carefully, of course, try to make a decision and minimize the risk to the company and the negative impact onto the company. But making a decision is 10 times better than being uncertain and not making a decision. Even making a slightly wrong decision is better than no decision. And I had the same experience when I then came to Germany which, of course, for me was a very, very different environment. And I joined the um, wholesale, the international wholesale business of Deutsche Telekom. Um, And there needed to be some changes made. Um, And there were very many absolutely brilliant colleagues that were there before me who understood this business, uh, you know, at a technical detail level far, far better than I and I would never be able to understand it in that way just because of my technical background. But when I got there, I found cupboards full of analyses where the, where the, where the decision was very clear. And I, when I just went through my interviews with people, I had exactly the same decision in my mind. Um, I didn't have all of those 20 tons of paper, but I knew this was the right decision. And when I saw the Papers, it said exactly the same, but it just was never executed for two years because it had difficult topics in there. It ha- it had the topics, you know, of closing certain companies mm-hmm. um, and locations, and that's that's not an easy topic, you know. We, you know, because people are either afraid they make a mistake or you hurt people, which is and and, and of course the way in which you do this. And for me, you know, one of the biggest lessons I learned there is when I went. When I flew, I think we, we closed some, some offices in, um, in Singapore and Hong Kong. Um, and when I flew there and I had the discussion with, uh, with our colleagues, and I asked them, Did you think this decision was coming when I, when I communicated that this was changing? You know, the sad answer for me, some of them said to me, You know, for the last five years, every time a senior leader, in from Deutsche Telekom in Germany, we thought they were now going to come and tell us. They were waiting for that. They were waiting for that. Mm. They were waiting for that. And you know, the uncertainty is, is so it's so unsettling. Right. You know, it really creates pain for people rather than doing a decision in a very constructive way, in a way that is human. Um, in a way that is respectful um and straight and honest, um, that is far far better and and this is so for me if if you have to ask me you know the the kind of tips and 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 you know what did I learn and the advices and it is about this it is talk to people, hear what they're saying, find out as much as you can, learn, and then make a decision yeah.
0: That's interesting. You spoke about the uncertainty and we kind of felt that with the pandemic and we felt how straining that uncertainty is on our mental health. So it makes sense what you're saying about being honest and making the difficult decision. But still, at the end, it is way better than to stay in the uncertainty. And it's it's funny that this is <laughs> this was your first task because... In general when uh, locals see a foreigner, a foreigner as as a senior they they think they're sent to fire everyone <laughs> but in this case in your case they were waiting for that to happen so that they know what is the next step so what a, what a first challenge to start with Yeah yeah no
1: it was it was really it was really fantastic
0: So you you learned a lot from it so that's really that's, that's good that's good to hear Yes you know um
1: Uh, When I joined uh, in that role and when I then, because initially I had to act. And, you know, maybe this could also be linked to some of the stereotypes that
0: that I personally felt may. Yeah, I I was going to ask you about that. (laughs) What are some stereotypes that you have uh, heard or experienced? Yeah, Exactly. So when when I um, came back from maternity
1: leave and my boss asked me to take over sales, He didn't only ask me to take over sales, but he also um, suggested that I become the deputy CEO to start to kind of practice that role. And a few months later, he stepped out and I became acting CEO. In a short time. Wow. In a very short time. And and they were going out, they were headhunting someone um, that they felt would be um, suitable, you know, in terms of technical expertise, experience, and background, which is totally fair, you know, to look for someone who really, really understood the IT space. And um, I did this acting story. I decided, firstly, I decided, you know, I'm not, I'm doing the act, I'm acting in this role, but I'm not acting, if you know what I'm saying. I'm doing it as if it is mine. I'm, I'm doing it as if otherwise you are very tentative. And I know sometimes how long it takes, you know, to fill such a position. And then if you, you, the company could not afford to be, to have a lot of uncertainty and indecisiveness for nine months at all. And um, so I, t- I, it took every day as if it, this is now my job and I'm doing it in this way. But the stereotypes that I found was quite interesting. People literally at a, uh, Senior leadership level were debating my capability to do this. I I just came back from maternity leave, so I had a six-month-old baby. I had two little other boys, you know, of um, of four and eight, and it was very, very clearly a big part of that debate. But how is it possible that a woman with three babies would be able to do this job? That was the first stereotype. Um, secondly, yes, I'm from HR. My background is human resources. So how would it be at all possible? And maybe that's a more understandable bias. Let's put mm. it this way. Although when you do outsourcing in, a, in, a, in an organization like a T-Systems, um, of course, you offer complex solutions um, to customers but it is all about being able to connect to the customer. It's all about being able to understand the customer, listening what the customer needs from a business perspective. And once you are successful with the offering of a, of a solution, you typically also, we did it in an outsourcing way, which meant we took over people. And that means you take people over from the company and they are integrated into your company. And that is all to do with people business.
0: Something you're very experienced with. Something
1: that I'm really mm. familiar with and something that was my strength is how do you now start to create a new integrated culture? How do you do change management, transformation management? Um, but the stereotypes were, you know, really some basic ones. Is how does a mother of a seven-month-old baby, can
0: ha- does she have the capability and the time to do this kind of job? Um, Did you have also some stereotypes as a South African? Absolutely, you know, Hmm. working as a South African, I mean, there, there is,
1: unfortunately, if you are an international or a global organization and you have country operations, wherever they are, whether they are in Africa, whether they are in Romania or Croatia, the Is a little bit of a tendency, if you're a big, successful, say, German organization, there is a bit of a tendency to have this little bit of arrogance that we know how to do it. We know better. I have some very, very funny but little bit sad anecdotes um, of, you know, when we had to do many cost-cutting exercises or say for service or say for different things where there would be a consultant sent in uh, from the mother company, uh, driving a Mercedes-Benz, staying in a five-star hotel, um, coming to now look at ways to increase our cost savings. We, we by the way, did very good you know, plans, but there was maybe someone that thought, no, it's not enough. And then would come in and say, oh, but we have, you have cleaning ladies that come so many days a week Let's um, reduce that. (laughs) Now, if you're in a country like in Africa, um, a person like that earns... Not so much, right? 200 euros a month. Mm. Now, mm, that that then creates huge irritation. Mm. If someone now says, I want to cut 200 euros, you cut the livelihood of a human being who supports a family probably of 10 with that money and this is not the place no and that and there were many other ways staying and and you know so so, so yes of course there are those kind of stereotypes there are stereotypes that because you may be from africa because you may be from a developing country there are things that um you don't know as well. And of we course, don't understand. <laughs> yes. And, and of course, being part of a multinational is we all learn from each other. There is no doubt. We loved to sell our value proposition as a multinational, as a global company, because there is such deep research and such deep competence in Germany that we could benefit from and that our customers could benefit from if we harness and do it in the right way. Um, and this is the, the challenge. When you are a multinational global organization, you need to be able to, to find the way of, of getting the best of both worlds. With other words, making sure you tap into the brilliance, the competence, the depth, the professionalism, the deep experience, uh, expertise of the German colleagues. Mm-hmm. But you then marry that with some of the innovation and the, and the creativity Um, of your local operations where they have less than ideal situations and they learn um, better how to make plans under, under circumstances which are not perfect. Mm. So, um, so yes, I I really did this. And I I think the only way I can say, how did I overcome this step by step? um, I, you know, defined what I needed to do. I got the right people around me. That is the most critical thing because it is impossible um, to think that you can do this alone from a competence and skill perspective. Um, and you need to look in your team and find people that, that is complementary to you, that has a different kind of strength and that can play a different kind of role which you can fully, fully trust. And I think that's, that's for me as a woman, and I don't know if it's a uniquely female thing, I think there are men who are also good with that. The most important thing for me was to be able to know, what am I really good at? But more importantly, what am I not good at? So where do I n- need to then bring in someone that is complementary to me. Bring in someone that will be, um, that will bring in the strengths um, of what I cannot do. Um, I also very very simply had to make tough decisions about. It. There was a culture in our company at that stage initially huge golfing culture. People golfed in the afternoons, golfed on very male bonding. And when I really went in there and I asked how many deals were sold. On the golf course, it was none. So for a short period of time, I said, well, we won't do this any longer. It cost us a lot of money and we didn't see the results of it. I see a lot of benefit in doing events together, in golfing together to cement relationships at a certain level. I, I, don't, I don't see that as negative. But what we did in that company was, for me, did not um, make that. So that was a little bit unpopular. The other thing is also I did not have mm-hmm. time. To socialize after work. Exactly. With a baby. In the normal way. Because I had Mm. three babies that I had to go home to. So I would very often go home, have dinner with them at six thirty or quarter to seven, and then work again from eight to eight
0: thirty when they were in bed. That's interesting. So to sum it up, how you overcame these stereotypes is basically to take on the difficult uh, decisions and and just go ahead with what you thought was right. Uh, how about the um, being a mom back from maternity leave? How did you get over that stereotypes? It was for me. I was. I would think that would that would be the the biggest stereotypes to overcome.
1: <laughs> it's really honestly. It's it's um, extremely challenging. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, being a mother. Um, uh, you know, and and especially of small children. You know, in 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 a job like that. When you become CEO, of course, um, you, you just have very little time. You just, you know, it's, it's um, honestly one of the things that you, that you miss, you know, and it's one of the, 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 the decisions that you take that I, you know, there's so much benefit for me in this job and, and, and joy that, that it's one of the prices in a way. Um, that I
0: that I'm prepared to pay, you know. So to to say, in other words, that you have to, yeah. I think it's it comes with every life challenge. You're you're obviously going to be having some sacrifices to do. So you just need to choose whether that's the right that sacrifice is doable for you or not exactly may you know i think for me with my children i'm i'm very fortunate i was i
1: was married uh, and the father of my children three boys he was very supportive and and you know very supportive with them as well so that was that was a big um support and and living in south africa i was very privileged because you have a lot of people who are unemployed and you can employ people um, for the basic tasks like housekeeping, like childcare, you know, which is not so easy mm. in different parts of the world. That's true. But you have, of course, and my, I had parents close by, but of course you pay a bit of a price. I mean, I tried to, within my schedule, um, when there were big sports meetings or when there was a parents evening, I tried to work that into my diary. And then I would rather work late in the evening or early in the morning again. But I really try to, to, to balance, to put time in my diary so that I could spend time. But yes, I mean, there is times that you felt, oh, you know, this is, I should be somewhere else. I should not be on an airplane. I should not be traveling. Um, I think, you know, in the end, um, I, I got divorced, um, uh, which of course, you know, you could say, is that, you know, for successful women, is that an inevitability? You know, and mm. I don't think so <laughs> at all. I know many successful women who did not get divorced, but sometimes that is part of the of the bigger story. Um, and and I wouldn't give the work the um, the blame for something like this. When I came to Germany, I got married again, and I'm uh, between us we have five children, and I have a husband who is a full time stay at is retired, and he's a full time stay at home. Husband and he supports all of us. And that is incredible as well, because that means you are really able to spend the time with work, to spend the time necessary, and you have someone who is running the house and is there for the children and is an absolute support. But if you had to ask me, um, would I do it again? You know, would I become CEO of T System or managing director of T System South Africa again? In a heartbeat, and when I speak to my boys, um, who has been through that whole process with me, each one of them would say, "Yes, God, that's it great." Gave us, it gave us wonderful opportunities. We have a very special relationship. We love each other. We we get on well. So you know. Uh, Would they have little issues? Who knows? Maybe one would love to marry a woman who's a stay-at-home mom. (laughs) You know, one would, one, you know, you you never know. But I mean, that could have happened whether you worked or not worked. Exactly,
0: exactly, yeah. Kids will always have, I think, some things to work on when they grow up. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. I, I always say to them, you know, invariably there would
0: be, you know, everybody will have their little therapist, you know, for whatever little issue or topic. Exactly. We're humans after all. And I believe exactly. that we come to this world with our set challenges, whether you are, you can try as much as you can as a parent. as And I keep telling this to my parents as well. <laughs> you can try <laughs> your best as a parent. There will always be something that the child needs to learn as as they grow up and to figure out who they are and to kind of get rid of what education they had and, and figure out exactly what they truly are as a human being. So um, it's really a nice story that I, I love the, that you shared with us the full uh, story and, and on your journey, because it's probably really encouraging for a lot of women to know that it is doable uh, in a way or another that you can manage it uh, with, a, with a great support system. Thank you for sharing. It's such a pleasure. It's I mean it's um it is really doable. It's it's something you have to
1: decide about, right? You know, and you have to do it. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I, but I would you know, it's it's just think of and and in in the end you are able to make it work.
0: Right? Once you decide on on being on taking that kind of role and stepping into that exactly, kind of role. Exactly. Just, yeah. And remember this is a very unusual role. I mean this
1: is it's not everybody that has to tr- to be a managing director or a CEO that, that has that kind of crazy, um, um, you know, topics. Uh, th- th- there are different ways in which you can combine things. So I would, I would definitely, you know, but choose it, choose what it is that you want to do.
0: Um, and, and then go for it. That's super. Now through your experiences and, uh, your journey, what would you say uh, is really important to do to develop women leaders to succeed across cultures? Is there some trainings or some kind of um, tips and tricks or yeah, some kind of training that you think is necessary to teach women, especially to lead across cultures? You know, I
1: think there are so many wonderful programs available, Mai. I mean, if you just look at um, what Deutsche Telekom is offering, you know, they're offering a lot of topics around Diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, Coursera, principio. There's there's lots of short programs, podcasts, uh, and I'm absolutely sure um, that there would be. And, and and I think it makes sense, you know. Reading different books, I I read uh, Melissa Gates' book, Lean In, mm-hmm. and that for me was a very very good book uh, with one specific message. Again, you know. Which I think, so I think to expose yourself to talk to other women. I mean, you know, classic training, you know, there are, there is intercultural training. Um, there, there is, there's definitely those kind of courses that one can take. There's different podcasts you can listen to. And I think it should be a multi, you know, it's not going into a classroom and do one specific training. We have a training in Deutsche Telekom enough, and, and, and please have a look around. Um, and you will find that, um, when you go to YAM, uh, absolutely sure there will be many, many different leg sessions, different trainings that's offered, remote or on site workshops that could really be, um, uh, there's this diversity training, um, and, and I think that you would be able to find extremely valuable. So very often it is just about getting together, sharing with a few other women um that already starts to to point you in the right direction
0: that's yeah you mentioned that we have a lot of trainings that is true we do have a lot of trainings that we kind of forget to <laughs> to just go in and check um and you mentioned that exactly. yeah it, it it seems very obvious to just talk and share right that we f- sometimes forget that we can just learn from exactly. exchanging um our our experiences and for example what you did today sharing your experience pro- is definitely going to help others to to have an idea on how to deal with stereotypes on how to deal with uh, cultural changes and all of that exactly now, i would like to address what do you think needs to be changed in this society in general or how can society and men and women uh change or, or do to, to make it really easy for women's leadership to happen?
1: I think the, 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 the most important thing is, you know, for each of us to start to, um, to, to be the changes. Um, with other words, in the way in which we engage, in the way in which we work with other women or men. Um, the 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 jokes that we accept or don't accept, um, you know, I think these kind of small signs or small ways in which we can start to sh- to shape um, the environment we are living and working in, um, you know, to be very mindful, um, to call something out when we see it, to very deliberately when we have the chance. In a team, to bring in someone diverse, and not to stick with the same, and you know that is sometimes not easy because it's very comfortable if you if you just bring in someone who thinks your way. It's just it's easy. It fits in, and it's sometimes when you have someone who's challenging the status quo, the thinking's not so. It's a bit unstringent and it's a bit um, challenging. Mm-hmm. But I really think this is the, the biggest way in which we can make change deliberately when we have a vacancy to find someone, to target someone who is different.
0: That's an interesting take because usually when we're recruiting or we're thinking about adding someone to the team, we try to have someone who matches the team's energy and the team's mindset so that there is no disruption um, in, into the, the dynamics of the team but now you mentioned really that to do the opposite would be even more um, fruitful for, for the organization. That is interesting. I, I think so.
1: I think um, it, it, of course the person has to fit from a personality, from a dynamic, from a attitude perspective, but it could be mm-hmm. someone
0: v- bringing a very, very different approach and mindset. Right. That is interesting for sure. Uh, you mentioned now the diversity. So are there examples in your life that, that you can share where you showed that having a greater diversity in leadership positions drove really organizational success and cultural change?
1: Look, I mean, more and more, the research is actually showing um, that the more diverse the teams in the organization, the more successful um, the organization um there's you know they for example just done a study um by b c g uh in twenty twenty they did a survey um where they said that um in the companies where they had diversity um they were actually a greater performance um and that is that is really, really, really an interesting an interesting concept. For example, um, from 2007 to 2009, the S&P 500 um, index declined by more than 35%. But the stocks of inclusive companies increased by 14%. So there's actually sets of financial data that shows that organizations with more diverse workforces and leadership teams are more innovative, more productive, and more able to thrive in the downturn, you know, of economic downturn. So, so I think the research has shown that the more diverse companies are, the more resilient and the more successful in the long term.
0: That's that's really interesting to hear. It makes sense, and it goes and it echoes what you just mentioned about having uh, diversity as a, as a really. It can be challenging, but it also can help us take the best from both worlds exactly. or from different worlds if exactly. you have even more diverse team. Um, let, let me
1: just give you an example. Yeah. I when when I was CEO of T Systems South Africa, um, at at some stage I uh, brought in a board uh, a a secretary a secretary i'm not talking about a board support because very often the board support colleagues are male but i brought in a secretary who are usually female Uh, i brought in a a black um gay secretary Mm -hmm. and and that was you know in a very conservative environment um uh, to be honest, when I started to recruit I, I did say I wanted to have a male because I thought it would be a very good sign um, of of the way in which we wanted to live diversity. Um, and And for me, I wanted to have a male. In the end, it was a, a black um, gay male. and um, it, you know it it what it does, it starts to sensitize very senior people. And it starts to sensitize the organization. And this man was probably one the most competent secretary I've ever had in my life. That's perfect, yeah. And um, and what it does, it then defies stereotypes.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: Of course, the, if the responsibility on the shoulder of someone like that is huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like it is often on women, because yeah. if you're not, then perceived to be
0: successful or competent it it create you know it it fulfills the stereotype and yeah you have to give this certain image and you have to you kind of represent a whole group so it kind of gives you a really big pressure Mm. exactly so it's 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 heavy on your shoulders you know but
1: these I think these are the ways in which we in our own way Also, the way in which we raise our children, the way in which we raise our boys, the way in which we talk about these things is important.
0: Yeah, it also comes back to education and and also uh, teaching the right things and teaching differently than probably what we were taught as kids. That's right. Great. Now, finally, we'll come to my last question. And altogether, what is the best advice you've received from anyone in your career that helped you become the powerful leader that you are today? It's a really difficult question. (laughs) I I think the
1: first thing was the man who appointed me as acting CEO and then obviously set the ball rolling, you know, for me to become permanently appointed. And that that was his belief in me. And his belief that I could do it and that I was competent, and that he just firmly believed that, and he had no doubt about that. I had many doubts, and he had no doubts. And, and that kind of trust um, from the people around me was, was incredible. So, people who've who's just, and then I think the second thing was about the advice of being authentic is that there is no um, kind of a f- blueprint of mm. the perfect leader or the perfect female leader. There is no, there's nothing that you can. I read many books, you know, um, May, I mean, many, many books, um, but you cannot, and I took a lot of learning from many different writers and, and experts and books but in the end, you have to develop your own style. Right. Mm-hmm. In the end, you have to um, be who you are and you have to be. And, and I've always felt that people responded very well to authenticity. Um, when, they were, when, when you were honest, if you were uncertain or not sure and you said that, Hmm. You're more respected. (laughs) Exactly. You were respected for that, you know. I mean, it's a fine line because in Germany, and this is one of the cultural differences I've learned, Uh that um, in Germany, sometimes if you admit that you don't know specifically if you're a woman, it is a sign of weakness. Uh So it's a fine line I had to learn between you know, not coming across as weak, being confident. Um, but then um but also then authentic and honest.
0: Okay. Is it about how you word it? How you word your your lack of information or knowledge yes, when it comes I to Yes, I think German? it's it's definitely ah. how you word it. It's mm-hmm. definitely how you word it. You
1: don't say here, you don't say, I don't know, I don't have any idea. You have to say it in a very different way. That's interesting.
0: Yeah. That's kind of. <laughs> yeah, really interesting. So it, there's, as you said, it's no, there's no blueprint. You you kind of really have to go through it in your own experience, and it's different. So it depends on which culture you step into. But what matters is to learn more and about everyone, and just be who you are. And that's more, yeah, likely to get you into places. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Super! This has been really delightful, Mardia. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. I, I really enjoyed our conversation. It was fun and inspiring.
1: I'm so happy. I'm so happy I could do that. My thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate it.
0: So that's all, folks. Thanks a lot for tuning in to the TSE Talks and joining me today along with my guests. All in all, the intersection of culture, gender, and leadership variables bring the challenges to a new level. Is it difficult? Yes. Is it doable? Also yes. As we learned from Mardia's experience today, stereotypes will definitely be part of the journey, but we can all work together to promote and improve women leadership across cultures. Diversifying the teams, changing our individual perceptions are only a few tips on how to get it done. So, dear fellow women, when you take the decision to step into an executive position, remember to be brave, be ready for difficult conversations, be authentic, and bring out the best of both worlds. And you, how did you break through the stereotypes as a woman? Or as a man, how did you contribute to promote a woman to a leadership position? Share your experience with us on the website comment section, and let's meet again on our next topic. Stay tuned.